Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey loves and welcome to Mouth Off Radio, the weekly podcast from nastagal.com. This week, we'll be joined by fellow podcast babe Anoni Forbat. We'll be covering all topics from feminism, getting engaged in politics, and how to deal with shitty exes. Thanks for joining us this week, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And now, here's Anoni. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So I understand you are no novice, should I say, to podcasts and you actually run your own called Adulting. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I do have my own podcast. It's my favourite platform because I love talking. I'm not used to doing it with cameras though, so I'm probably much more gesticulatory than I realise. But yeah, basically I set up my podcast once I'd finished uni and I moved to London and I got into the working world. And I think you have this idea that suddenly you'll just have a job, you know how to pay your rent, you'll pay a tax, and everything will just go really smoothly. And actually what happens is you realise you've got no fucking clue what's going on. And you think that everyone else does, but apparently no one else does. So that was the initial concept. It was quite basic. It was more about like being in your early 20s, like figuring out life. And as I went along, I realised that it was, it turned out to be a lot deeper than that. It ended up being conversations around privilege and feminism and more like socio-political conversations uh, that impact us day to day, but you don't necessarily get taught about in school. Mm but are really important conversations that can sometimes make you feel a bit left out. You know, it's a bit like when you watch the news and you don't fully understand about politics, it makes you feel a bit like, I should know what's going on, but I don't. It's those conversations, but in a more social context. Okay. So who have you had on your show? Who's been your favourite guest? Oh, that's quite a hard question. So I think I've done 40 episodes now, um, but one of my favourite ones was definitely Jess Phillips, who's the MP for Birmingham Yardley. She was amazing, really inspirational. Um, I'm trying to think who else. My mum was my second guest. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my, it still is actually one of the most listened to episodes. It's so funny because we basically just talk about the difference between being like a millennial and a baby boomer. Yeah. And all those like generational gaps that we have in the way that we think about things. And I love that because you don't often sit down with your parents and actually ask them about their lives. Yeah. And in that context, it meant I actually learned loads about her. So that was, we're really close anyway, but that was, it turned out to be a really nice bonding experience as well as. Um, really great for the podcast. Yeah. And what about um, your favourite topic? What do you like to discuss? What gets you going? What makes you mouth off? 
Oh, so white cisgendered um, heterosexual men mm. tend to make me quite annoyed mm. a lot of the time. Even though I'm going out with one and he's <laughs> lovely, um, a lot of them aren't doing so great. But no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. I just think I've, I. it's often when, you know, when you don't fully understand something, mm-hmm. the nice thing about doing the podcast is the scope. Because you're talking, you can kind of be in a space where you don't 100% know what you're saying. When you write something down in a post or you're doing something definitive, you have to be really cautious about how you say something. And the nice thing about the spoken word element of the podcast is I can get someone on who I don't really understand whether they're talking about gender or sexuality or something that I might not personally have experienced. There's freedom to um, make mistakes or not be really woke on it. And that's what I really enjoy because I get... I'm wor- I do worry about saying the wrong thing online. Yeah. Whereas the the freedom to kind of explore ideas and like have thought experiments and it not be like you're not going to get cancelled. Mm-hmm. Like, Cancel code. Yeah. It's so big right now. Yeah. But huge. I do think yeah you're right. It is about having those spaces where you can have conversations and hear about other people's opinions and be like oh I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. And that's what I have really been enjoying about doing the podcast as well and podcasts that I listen to is just being challenged in things that you feel so like passionately about and then yeah. you're like, oh, okay, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe I need to think about that in a different way and from someone else's perspective. Who would you like to have on your show next if you could have anyone? I'd actually really enjoy speaking to Russell Brand or Johan Hari. I don't know if you know who Johan Hari is. He actually said yes and then just stopped replying. Oh. Um, he wrote a book called Lost Connections and one called The Scream. But he talks a lot about, it's kind of, it intersects with what Russell Brand talks about, but it's about how the opposite of addiction is often actually connection. And a lot of us will are susceptible to going into addiction, whether that's sex, alcohol, drugs. And um, a lot of the reason why we might not isn't because of the reasons we might think, such as willpower or our job, or whatever. It's actually because you've probably got a safety net around you that stops you looking for um, different ways to fulfil yourself. And it's a really, it's interesting because he also talks about it in terms of depression, which can be... Um, slightly controversial because obviously depression is a mental illness that's not kind of like you haven't decided to have it however it can definitely be brought on by feelings of um, isolation and basically just the, the way that he does his work is very interesting he goes and talks to lots of different people mm-hmm. does lots of research so someone like that who has a different opinion because I think especially conversations around like addiction it's quite taboo we all have quite black and white ideas about what who we think addicts are maybe we think that they're people that are street homeless or someone that doesn't look like us but there's addicts everywhere and it's actually a, a massive problem yeah um, and I think opening up those conversations where someone could privately listen to that in a safe space and maybe their family suffers from addiction or something I just think that's really really helpful to open up these conversations and take away the stigma around it and just put it on the table yeah definitely. we all have things that we go through and everyone it's like you know when you're younger and you think everyone else's family is perfect and then as you get older you're like oh actually i suppose they weren't that perfect family i thought they were and it's kind of it's a bit nice to realize that no one's got it all figured out figured out yeah, yeah totally 100%. definitely i think drugs is actually something which i really i've spoken about a couple of times on the podcast but something i really want to talk about because we all know that there's certain festivals or certain nights where the culture there is for you to go and take um, recreational drugs. Yeah. And the problem of the way that our system works, especially legally at the minute, is that young people go out, or old people, whoever, goes out and takes these drugs, and there's no regulation around it. So the only real danger in these recreational drugs at the minute is the fact that it's not policed. 
So if we could decriminalise it, and rather than... Because you listen to these, like, posh white... I know I'm posh and white. We listen to posh <laughs> white politicians on the, new, on the radio, whatever, and they're talking about, oh, it's awful, people are taking drugs, and it's like, now we know half the politicians are out there sniffing coke. Obviously, mm. probably not still now, but, you know, they, they still came out the other day, and it's like this weird... Um, feeling that we all know that everyone participates in drug culture at some point or they might experiment and try to spliff or whatever and it's marrying those two ideas to stop acting like you're so above it because mm. there's definitely a socioeconomic class culture of like if you're a posh city banker and you take coke that's viewed very differently from someone who's from a lower socioeconomic background selling weed yeah do you know what i mean and i think that those that's a conversation that needs to be opened up because especially when you're growing up i definitely had a very weird understanding of what drugs were and then when you go to university and you realize that actually there's huge drug culture it can be quite shocking to to realize like you're taught it's so scary and then suddenly it's you're just there at it, it's everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember like i had very some experience so my parents were always like you know stay away from it whatever but my mom was always like if you want to try cigarettes try in front of me so i kind of knew oh, that there good. was always like, yeah. a safe space if i wanted to do something like that and then i went to uni and I, it was never really something i was interested in i remember the first time i ever saw like cocaine and i stopped breathing because i was so scared it was going to somehow go up my nose and stuff and then i was like these people i've been hanging out with mm. for months and getting to know and they're the same people they just choose to experiment in different ways and it does change the conversation and you do notice as well like people have different experiences when they get caught with drugs some yeah. people just like rap on the knuckles off yeah. you go and then some people it's like right to court jail they lose their jobs mm. like any prospect in the future one of my biggest worries is about how i'm going to be as a parent and i think that's all the time in terms of things like talking about sex or masturbation or drugs or whatever it is and i was like i'll have to have drug testing kits at home and then if they say they want to do drugs i'm not gonna be like you can't but i'll have to test them if I, and I, like this is how my brain works <laughs> yeah it's so silly but i think that there are things in place where you know there is good ways of doing it but that sh it's the, the biggest problem is shame i mean with drugs it is slightly more problematic it's not quite the same as shame around sex and stuff but those, I think I like those taboo subjects. I think I was brought up with quite strict parents. Mm -hmm. So when I was unleashed into the world, I just had no idea what was going on. And I think sometimes actually being brought up in a more liberal space, to some people it looks more dangerous because you'll almost have like those temptations at your fingertips. But I also think it makes you less... So that makes, I don't know yeah. if it makes any sense. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like the parents who let their kids have a glass of wine with dinner yeah. end up being better at drinking than the kids whose parents like never, never drink. And then they're going down the park and getting absolutely sloshed. So I noticed on your Instagram, because I like to stalk everyone that comes on, that you are really into fitness and yes. keeping in shape and eating right. Has that been something that you've always been interested in or is that quite a new development for you? So when I was at uni, I had a really horrible boyfriend um, that it went quite badly, so I had to change my course, so I was going through a bad time. Yeah. So classic, I was like, I'm going to get a personal trainer, I'm going to get really fit. Now, prior to this, I was never fat, but in my head, in my young, awful, mean-to-myself girl's head, I thought I was fat, mm. loved a fag, always smoking, all the time. <laughs> so I went from being like the chubby, funny smoker to getting this personal trainer and getting absolutely shredded. Bear in mind, he literally made me eat absolutely fuck all, so looking back, I understand how it worked. But at the time, it was like, <laughs> wow. So I did this like before and after on Instagram and I was just at uni, I was doing my English degree, I'd never been interested in fitness before. When I was at school I used to run away from sports to smoke, ofs, um, or go get drunk at the Indian. And then, yeah, so then I started with this Instagram page. I started posting selfies, got really into it, I was like, oh my god, I'm so shredded, I was absolutely tiny. And then my Instagram following started to like grow 
And then they were asking questions about fitness, but I knew fuck all about fitness. I just happened to get shredded by accident. Mm-hmm. How's that amazing? So then I decided to do a PT course like, alongside my degree because I felt like I should probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I graduated from my degree, I had an, a dedicated like, fitness account. And then I broke my leg. So I was like, great. So then I was at home and I was really bored because um, obviously I'd broken leg, couldn't go anywhere. And then I started being quite funny on my Instagram and then talking about stuff that I actually found more interesting. So I was like, can't post workout videos or like loads of ab pictures. Although weirdly, I got really skinny when I bit my leg because I couldn't walk to the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) So I literally got so lean because I couldn't get food. So if my mum went out, I was just stuck all day, like couldn't go anywhere. I did learn to hop up and down the stairs, but that was quite bad. So, um... Anyway, so then I started talking about things that actually found interesting, like feminism and politics and all this stuff. And luckily, thankfully, my following kind of came with me and let me make that transition because it's really hard on Instagram to swap from one niche niche to the next. Yeah. People really want to put you in a box. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So food, mm. my favorite subject. Yes. How is your weekly food intake like? Are you very strict like Monday to Friday and then the weekends, let it all hang out? Or are you just like... <laughs> let it all hang out. So um, I used to have a really bad relationship with food. I definitely went through like disordered eating and I used to like make myself sick and stuff. So I went on a really long journey of I'm not strict with food at all now. I just yeah. eat. I don't do... I wouldn't say eat intuitively because that's like a legit thing, which I don't do. Um, but I, I would eat... I'd say I eat fairly well. Like my meals are fairly healthy, but then I still go out. I've met, it's taken me years to get here though, so I know it sounds really like, I have a really good relationship with food, because that's a really hard place, but it took so much work. Mm. Basically, the less thought you put into it, I find the better you are. So the less you're trying to like regiment yourself in any kind of restriction, yeah. you tend to eat better. I think whenever I start thinking about, I had a women's health shoot, and I thought, I'm gonna diet for that. And the minute I thought I was gonna diet, I just started eating sweets, because the idea of like restriction stressed me out. So I had like a massive bag of sweets every single day for two weeks before my shoot. And actually, when you 
stop putting so much onus on food and see it's like something to enjoy because I'm a massive foodie as well I love going to restaurants love tapas me and my boyfriend literally gone on holiday for food yeah. so we like look, think about where is there good food what time of year should we go and let's book the restaurants before we get there and that's all we've booked <laughs> and then we plan everything around the restaurants yeah. so I do exercise a lot I've worked I've worked really hard on my relationship with food but there's no I wouldn't say there's a structure to it mm-hmm. I like that I mean you can't really live your life like that no being really regimented and like I've tried many diets. I've had food replacement diets yeah. and Weight Watchers and everything. Diets and don't work. I've just realised I'm a big person. I love food. I can't cut it out. I can get healthy, you know, I can lose a few pounds and stuff like that. I can work out, but I can't cut things out. But you don't have to lose a few pounds to be healthy. Because, mm. ha- like, this thing, I really, I really had to learn this because I was fatphobic like anyone else. I think we start off being it with ourselves really cool about the way we look and then we yeah. project onto other people but health really isn't determinative like how go back to the drugs conversation there might be a really skinny supermodel girl who looks amazing but she's doing loads of coke not really eating probably not looking after herself very much and if you put her next to you just because she's skinnier than you wouldn't necessarily mean she's her health is better yeah. and so that's why the idea that you know oh i hate that this is kind of why i moved away from fitness as well because the rhetoric all the time ended up being if you want to get healthier, here's how you lose weight. As if that was like, that's not how you do it at all. Mm. Increase like your movement. If you're able-bodied, then you can do a bit more activity. You can walk a bit more. You can dance, eat some more broccoli, <laughs> drink more water. That's all it is. Yeah. It's what you're doing. It's not what you look like that's yeah. important. Uh, but that's really hard to translate on a visual platform. Moving on from that, we're going to talk about body confidence and yes. neutrality. So what is body confidence and what does it mean to you? Because as you said, you could be a skinny supermodel, but not necessarily healthy. And then you could be a bigger person that might be more active and eating yeah. better. So what does body confidence mean to you? So I think body confidence to me is annoying because the term's so like overused and it gets quite tired. It's a bit like yeah. self-love. And I think what it came down to for me, and I keep seeing this a bit more and it's really good, but it's basically looking at your body and going, what if my body isn't going to change? And then just being like, okay. Because I think we used to look at our bodies, and I still do it now sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, if I was thinner, imagine what that outfit would look like. (laughs) If I was thinner, that outfit would look so good. But it doesn't matter how big you are, every woman thinks they want to be thinner. So it's always thinner. And obviously there's different, I'm white, slim and live in a privileged body where I'm not societally deemed as like a marginalized body. So I've already got that privilege. However, everyone is able to feel that insecurity. So I think the best thing too is just like, okay, this is what my body looks like. Just look at yourself in the mirror. I haven't really got a waist. I haven't got, I've got like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just noticing the parts of me that I would look at other girls and be like, that's nice. Mm -hmm. That's fine. They can have that. I'm probably not, there's no point worrying about it. So it's, it's, it's not a tough love thing, but it's not about, I'm not saying like you need to love your body. You just got to wake up in the morning and be able to get over the fact that that's what you look like. Because sometimes when I was younger, I would spend hours just thinking about how life would be better if I was thinner. Mm. You waste so much time doing that. Yeah. And I think if you can set aside that time to, I don't know, work on something you really want to work on or work on your friendships or get really good at a skill, your body will then take a back seat. It's how much you allow it to dictate your life. Exactly. I've always, as I said, been a bigger girl. Even since I was a kid, I mm. was always like nearly a foot over everyone else and a foot wider, always like eating, didn't care. Grandparents' favourite, you know, feed, have that, have that. Do you want some sugar on that? Yeah, of course. So I've always grown up being on that marginal side, Mm. too tall, too big, it was fine. 
and then you go to secondary school and then you around other girls and weird things are happening with your body and hormones and people saying some wild shit that you know is so mean I think from those experiences my mum had a lot of conversations about this is who you are, this is the body that you're given, it is not really going to change. There are some things you can do, cosmetic surgery and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. And I learned that lesson. I was like, I just have to be on board with what this is. Mm. And every day, like people be like, oh, you know, you're so confident. How'd you get that? And I'm like, you just have to accept that this is it. You can worry about mm. it every single day until you're in the grave, but that's going to make you miserable. And then, I mean, there's like, food I've got to eat, drinks, there's places I want to travel, I'm not going to let like my body confidence hold me back. So I just get on with it. And like recently, I never used to wear skirts or shorts because I had cellulite. I still have cellulite. But now I'm like, if someone looks at my legs, I'm like, that's your issue, it's not yeah. mine. So now I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just deal with what you've been dealt with. And I think a lot more people would benefit from that. And I think a lot more people would benefit if people weren't so mean. Totally. I love that your mum said to you that this is the body you're given though, because my mum was of the generation that was quite like dieting and slim shape. And so she was really worried for me that if I felt not confident in my body, then I should change it. Yeah. Like that, not seeing that the problem wasn't me, the yeah. problem is the way that society wants you to look. Yeah. In that moment, I suddenly thought, oh my God, what a fucking waste of time to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I look shit, or I feel a bit fat, or my tummy. You know that bit of your tummy when you're wearing a dress and like, oh, that, yeah. that lump is really irritating. Imagine yeah. worrying about that and thinking like, this, it's time is itch going to go so fast. You're not going to die and be like, I'm so glad that I didn't eat that donut that day. Yeah. Because I literally looked so good at that party. And also, no one is looking at your legs. Like, no, I've never been on a beach and thought, if anything, I just think everyone looks better than me. Do you know, when I was like in a really bad place in my body, you know, you got, can't really see what you look like. There are people of all different shapes and sizes and I would think everyone looks amazing, but I look shit. Mm. So obviously there's some issue there because I think we can all find something in other women that we're like, oh, but she's got that yeah. and I don't have that. Yeah. And it's like, you've got to start applying that to your, the way you look at yourself. This is how I justify it. There are new people born into the world every day and their mums don't all look like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Somebody is fucking somebody. So just be happy with who you are and concentrate on what makes you happy and everything will fall into place. It's not about trying to achieve a look that someone else has paid for or works really hard on full time. It has a complete dedicated team to achieve that look. You just have to be the best version of you. I think in a few years' time, social media will be viewed in a bit like smoking. It'll be like, a bit sh yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or there'll be a much more, you know, how we all now have a much better relationship with alcohol. I think not everyone, but I think we're being a bit like, actually, it's not sensible to drink every night. I'm going to make sure I take some weekends off. And I think with social media, I actually think some Gen Z and younger people have a better relationship than people my age because they have grown up with it and they are able to. Um, recognise when it's good and when it's bad. Yeah. Well, like the Greta Thunberg generation. Oh my God, what a legend. What dreams Two weeks of. across the Atlantic Unreal. because she didn't, because of her carbon footprint. I was like, what a legend. So we are going through um, an interesting time now in the mm. UK with like politics, um, literally in the midst of it. Um, do you think this will encourage younger people to become more in interested 
at a younger age or do you reckon that politics will historically be something that you only switch into when you're like 27th birthday and you're like what yeah politics or it's a good question so what i find really interesting about this whole brexit debate and everything that's going on at the minute is i've been trying my absolute hardest to stay informed and get engaged with politics but there's so many things to learn about that i find myself engaged in conversations and there's, there's certain things don't get me wrong that i am knowledgeable about but when it comes to actual politics i just go oh yeah definitely awful oh my god but i <laughs> yeah. don't really know yeah and everyone on both sides is so enigmatic about it and I think that it's interesting that everyone suddenly come out and outrage because I think it's just a game of polarisation. I do think it's really important, I obviously know that, but what I mean is I think the way that the media is portraying politics and the way that it's become such a frenzy has got people very emotionally engaged in a way they haven't been before and as such people are talking about it as though they know more than they do. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's making younger people more engaged and hopefully if they're learning from a younger... Because I didn't give a shit about politics. No, I was the same. I literally didn't care. I wasn't interested. I didn't know why it impacted me and it doesn't as a white middle class cisgendered yeah. woman. I'm not really impacted by um, politics. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't be engaged but that's my level of privilege. Yeah. So I didn't really have to. It's not like I would have been impacted. So I don't know. I think that the, the way that the parties and things work, I think that's going to change. Mm -hmm. I think it's, the systems are too old. And I think with social media and the weird way that it's being propagandised, um, and I don't know if you watched the great hack recently, but about the Cambridge Analytica scandal no, um, and the way that data and things are used, I think that there's going to have to be some big revolution in how we look at politics. I think that it's becoming an entity different from what it was. Mm -hmm. But I really, I couldn't say, I really don't know. I find it quite interesting. I, I've, I've kind of, I got really interested and now I actually don't give a shit because I feel like it's, I'm just like, oh, do you know what? I don't care. You're yeah. just fucking it up. I don't know what's going on. So we've got um, very political there and we have had a, a chat about body image. We've even talked about drugs. Now we're going to throw some very quick fire questions over to you. And um, are you ready basically to mouth off with me? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So first question, what does feminism mean to you? Oh, it's changed. It now means little acts of activism in everything you do. So it's sticking up for people that are marginalised or have less privilege and making, consciously trying to make an effort to make everyone's day a little bit better whether that's if someone says something derogatory to someone you step in for them or remembering to bring your reusable cup just small tiny little acts of kind kindness and, and activism in really small ways but consistently i love that that is really nice i like that okay coffee or wine oh god oh i don't know i've actually loved i drink a lot more coffee than i do wine yeah. it's getting a bit of a problem actually i was drinking so much like the other month I had a really twitchy eyelid and I was like why is my eyelid so twitchy and I'd got an espresso machine for my birthday and I'd been buying Oatly Barista coffee and I realised I'd been drinking like six a day because it's just so good so I had a really bad twitchy eye and then I had to like chill out oh lord I know bad times someone famous dead or alive you'd like to go on vacation with I'd want to hang out with J.K. Rowling, but only so she could tell me more Harry Potter stories. But obviously there isn't more, and I'd probably be really disappointed because she be wouldn't want to talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> um, I think Ed Sheeran would be really interesting, so I bet he knows like so many celebs and he could tell me loads of gossip. Yeah, I think Ed would mm. be a good one, actually. And yeah. he could sing to you, but under the stars. Oh, that would be nice, a little private concert. Yeah. Um, best way to deal with a shitty ex? Oh, block, delete, and improve. You live your best life, cut them out. Bye. Boy, bye. And they'll always come back. My ex emailed me. I blocked him on everything. My Snapchat, both my Snapchat, I had two at the time. Facebook, Instagram, everything. He emailed me 
And then, not even that, we broke up years ago. Not in the other day, he slid into my friend's DMs like, how's it only? She was like, no. fuck off. Oh, they always come back. They always come back. Um, do you believe in the afterlife? No, but I don't, I'm not in, mm, good question. Don't, I don't believe in the afterlife, but I do believe that like being alive is so important that we shouldn't fixate on, as much as I like to believe in karma, just because it's fun sometimes, <laughs> karma. Um, <laughs> I actually think what's more important is just being present in the exact moment, because then if you do die tomorrow, or whenever, and there's no afterlife, hashtag no regrets. No regrets, mm. that is true. If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh. These are hard. They are hard. I want to say pick and mix, but then I know I would get fed up after a while and want something savoury. Do you know what I really like? It's so weird, but... <laughs> I was going to say bangs and mash with sweet corn gravy and caramelised onions, because I had that the other day, and I was like, that's actually so good. Yeah. But actually, maybe egg, avocado and sourdough. You can't go wrong. Yeah. It is a good one. That is a good one. Right, who inspires you the most? Oh, who inspires me? I'm really inspired by Maya Jammer at the minute because I just think she's absolutely fucking killing it and I can't, just can't deal she's with her. She's a hero. She's unbelievable. She is an absolute um, hero. But Zadie Smith is one of my most favourite authors and she writes impeccably, incredibly, and every time I read her writing, I want I read like a page and I'm like, I want to write a book. No, to that. <laughs> so I think she, yeah, she inspires me a lot. Okay. Is there anything on your bucket list? I mean, there's probably loads of things. Oh my gosh, things. I keep trying to make my boyfriend and I sit down to write a bucket list. He's like, no, you're really boring. I'm like, <laughs> so one of the things I really want to do, don't know why, is climb Kilimanjaro. Oh, really? I feel like I really like hiking. So that's, that's on there. That's a is pretty that cool one. Answer? Yeah, that, uh, okay. yeah. Thank you. Okay, mine probably be like, um, sleep ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good one. <laughs> the idea of marriage, outdated or one to stay? <sighs> literally talking about this last night with um, Florence Given. So I wouldn't get married in a church and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be like a religious ceremony, but I want a fucking massive rock and I want a big party. And I said this to my boyfriend and he came back with, which I thought was really interesting, I pretended that this was why. He was like, oh yeah, because if a man buys you a big ring, it's like a good investment because really marriage is like a financial economic, like it is good for your economic safety and things and it's like yeah. a celebration because like if a man buys you a really big ring and he invests in you it's showing that he's like putting a big deposit down and I was like yeah that is why that's why I want it yeah Damn. definitely that's why um but no I I I do think it's outdated I think it's really weird that we wear white to say that we're virgins not a virgin and um that my dad would give me away because apparently he owns me and that up until like <laughs> 2004 raping a marriage was legal so yeah, you, you couldn't afford. I think so. I think you could rape. You wasn't. You couldn't rape your wife because you owned her. Oh, it was classic. Um, so got you that rock. So it's really problematic. I find it really problematic. But I think that there's ways that you can adopt and change. Things. I think awareness. I think as long as it's an elective choice and you're not just doing it because you're like, oh, I should just go get married. Now. Yeah. I think if you understand, I think that consciousness is really important. Um, and I also think because of our generations, I think it'd be easier for my kids not to get married. But like my my parents and my boyfriend's parents would want that yeah. just for like the feeling like it's it's ceremony but I don't know I'm quite torn but I do want a really big ring yeah that's what got me yeah I was like diamond your ring is great and I like that it's gold thank you um so last question what is the best form of self-care oh so many things um I feel like sex is a very good form of self-care whether it's with yourself, with mm -hmm. a partner, with mm -hmm. a consenting adult, or more, I don't mind. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not there, but you can do it more. <laughs> um, and for me, I love reading, and I also love doing creative things which have no performance in them. So whether that's like 
writing something just for the sake of it and then deleting it or throwing it away or doing a painting, which is shit, but it's just for you. It's not about, I think we're in a generation of everything has to be a product. Millennials want to package up and make everything like sellable and it's really problematic. Some things you should just do for the process. Yeah. And it have no end. Yeah. Because when you're little, you just play. There was no like, you didn't have to turn it into a something. Yeah, it wasn't like I had to hand yeah. in my playtime. <laughs> so I think sometimes just doing things with no destination can be a really positive way of not, sometimes self, I think sometimes we lack in self-confidence when we try to achieve too much mm -hmm. and then the end goal is impossible. So just don't set an end goal and just try something and have no pressure and have sex if you want to. <laughs> well, that was the mouth off quick fire questions. You survived it. You had some you. great answers there as well. Considering that you didn't know what these were going to be, very well thought out. Thank you. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. I've had such a great time I getting to know that. you. Would you like to let everyone know where they can find you on social media? Oh, yes. You can find me at Anoni, which is my very exciting name. Um, it's just O-E-N-O-N-E. -E. My podcast is just called Adulting, and that's linked to my bio of my Insta. So just come to the gram. That's where I hang out. This has been Mouth Off Radio. I am your host, Paige Martin. And only everyone. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.